This is the Winner's Take with host Nelson Rowdy Raisbeck and professional sports handicapper Dave Esler. Welcome into Winner's Take. As always, I'll be your host, Nelson Rowdy Raisbeck, joined by professional sports better Dave Esler. If you want to get any of our content, you can find me on Twitter at Rowdy underscore Razor, or you can find Dave at Dave underscore Esler or some of his work at pregame.com. Dave, I got to say, last week, we had a pretty big week. It felt pretty good. You threw out a tweet there, and it was blowing up. Yeah, I mean, you're going to have those weeks. I I don't want to get anybody's expectations up that we'll we'll hit 80 or 90% again this week, but, you know, it's nice to do that. And, you know, you're you're only remembered by your last pick in my business. So, you know, right now everybody loves us, but we know how quickly that can turn on a dime. Yeah, that's that's where uh, everybody can't get enough of your picks for, you know, the few weeks that you get really, really hot. And then uh, no one's hanging around when you hit those cold spells. Oh, yeah, because everybody jumps on when you're hot. Oh, wow, this guy's. Yeah. And, you know, there's this thing called regression that's inevitable and it seems to happen that way. But I've kind of grown used to it. I don't like it, but I can't change it. Well, let's dive right into the college football games we have for this weekend. Speaking of hot and not. The USC offense, hot. The Colorado defense, not. First game we're going to look at, it's the number eight ranked USC Trojans heading to Colorado to take on the Buffaloes. Uh, Dave, currently looking at this line, USC favored by 21 and a half, total sitting there at 74. What are you thinking for USC Colorado? Yeah, I mean, I really didn't want to discuss Colorado anymore. It's kind of getting a little bit old. Um, but for me, there's no chance I'm taking Colorado. I, I'm kind of pissed I didn't take uh, Oregon last week and probably less chance of laying 21 points in Boulder where, you know, the Buffs do have that altitude advantage. So I'll be on the total, probably a team total. Um, and even with the injury to Hunter on, on Tuesday, they, they listed Sanders as questionable. He landed on his kidney, was sent to the ER in practice, you know. But even if he's fine, that's important practice time that's missed. Um, I'll let people drive the total up and bet the under. Uh, I don't think USC needs or wants to make a full game statement. Uh, so I will be on the under and I will uh, potentially be on uh, SoCal for the first half. Yeah. So I texted you right away when these lines came out last Sunday. And I think, uh, you know, everyone was on that Colorado train and people were riding that for all it was worth. And then it came to a crashing halt against Oregon last week. Well, I feel like now it's time for me to get on the Colorado train. This USC defense is pretty bad. Any team that's had a competent offense at all has put up 28-plus points on USC. And I think it's pretty clear that there's a lot of holes still with that defense, even though they have a ton of talent. And I think with Shadur Sanders still being healthy in Colorado, I know their line stinks, but it just feels like this should be a high-scoring game in which USC's defense isn't good enough to give them a margin of of 21 points. So I'm looking at uh, Colorado to get on that Colorado train, and then I probably would be a square, but I'd look at the over. Yeah, I mean, I think everybody will. That's why I'm going to wait until it goes up even higher. I mean, it's already a little bit inflated, and you know, I, I could argue you're right, but I think if USC's up, they they take the they take the breaks off. So I'm I'm hoping anyway. I think the first half over would would be more uh, doable for me anyway. But we will see what happens Saturday. Let's move to our second matchup here for college football. It's going to be number twenty two Florida traveling to Kentucky 
to take on the Wildcats. Currently, this one's lined Kentucky favored by one and a half with a total of 44 and a half. Uh, Dave, what were you looking at for Florida, Kentucky? Big SEC rivalry here. Yeah, I mean, Florida might be a bit overvalued after beating Tennessee, but, you know, I've kind of felt that all season. You know, I worry about their offense. I mean, I was concerned before the season, you know, when 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 your boy Graham Mertz was going to be quarterback. Um, and they haven't done really anything to make me think any different. I mean, last week against Charlotte, they were one for nine on third downs. I mean, that won't get it done in Lexington. And nearly all of the SEC East gets up for the Gators. I mean, you know, Gator haters are still in full force after all the Urban Meyer years and, and knowing what we know now about that has only made it worse. And I think by default, I'll be on Kentucky. Uh, they haven't beaten a good team yet, but they're 4-0 at home. I, I would be all over them if it were a, a night game, but it's a noon game, which, you know, doesn't give them quite the advantage. I mean, Coach even come out and said, you know, I'm, I'll be, you know, I know that Kentucky people can drink early. So, uh, yeah, I can't take Florida. Uh, I'll, I'll, be, I'll be on Kentucky in the under. I lean right there with you with Kentucky. I'm just looking at these two matchups, and the one thing that these two teams have in common is that they both really do stop the run. I mean, Florida's giving up just over 80 yards a game on the ground. Kentucky's actually under 80 yards per game. So both these teams are going to stop the run. And then you look at the quarterbacks. Being a Badger fan, clearly not sold on Graham Mertz. And and if you take away his run, I'm really not sold on him. Same thing, though, with Leary, the Kentucky quarterback. I don't think he's a guy that can win you a game with his arm either. He needs the rushing attack. So if neither have a rushing attack, I can't believe in either of the quarterbacks. I don't think they make up for it. I'm with you. The play that I liked, especially earlier in the week, was the under. Now, that was at 46. I think I still play it at 44 and a half. Yeah, I mean, 45 is kind of a key number, but you know, hopefully it doesn't come to that. I, I, I still like it. It just feels like two teams that defenses are decent and both need to rely on running the football, and I don't think yeah. either will be able to run the football. Yeah, I, I don't disagree. The only thing that screws me on those kind of games is turnovers, you know, deep in your own end and, and giving people short fields. That's that's a killer. So where where and where you don't have two elite quarterbacks, that is a bigger likelihood. But you know, let's hope not. Let's hope it's you know, twenty three to seventeen, and it doesn't matter. Yeah, for sure. I mean. I could see this game being like a 17-14, but uh, yeah, I, I get what you're saying there. Going to be low scoring. Let's move to our third college football game. Going to look at a SEC matchup here of two ranked teams. It's going to be number 13 LSU traveling to Ole Miss, who's ranked 20th. Dave, currently looking at these lines here, uh, depending on where you look, it's looking like LSU is sitting there at uh, two and a half point favorites and the total is 67 and a half. Yeah, I mean, road wins in conference play, at least the bigger conferences. I mean, they're hard to come by no matter where you go. I mean, Ole Miss is, they're still three and one and they're still alive uh, in the SEC West. Uh, you know, they probably don't have a chance, but as long as they think they do, you know, we know we're going to get, um, you know, an all out effort. And last year, these two played in Baton Rouge, almost Ole Miss jumped out early. Um, but, you know, after the first quarter, ended up getting basically taken to the woodshed. So there's your motivation. LSU gave up a ton to FSU, a ton of points, and they gave up quite a few points to Arkansas. So I do think the Rebels score. Uh, it's hard to take such a big number with the with the game total over. But uh, ultimately for me, it's, it's A, Ole Miss team total over, and B, Ole Miss. Ooh, we're going to go head-to-head on this one, Dave. 
I was looking at LSU by less than a field goal here. If it was at three or three and a half, I don't think I could play LSU, but less than a field goal, I, I think I would look at LSU. And the reason being is you mentioned the the game last year where LSU came out and dominated. I just look at these two teams and I don't see a, a ton of difference between last year. Ole Miss still seems like they're pretty good, but they can't beat the big boys like they proved last week against Alabama. LSU, I think they still have a talented roster and maybe not quite the defense, but these two teams seem really similar. And I'm just looking at uh, these two teams in general. And what do you think about Ole Miss played Alabama? And I did some digging. When they play a physical Alabama, they've kind of stunk the next week too. Not that they haven't necessarily won games, but they haven't played well and haven't played well up to expectations after playing a physical Bama team. And I know that's a a potential handicap that some people have is like when you play a really physical team, the next week it can show up. Yeah, I I I don't discount that at all. I mean, have to look back and see, you know, who they played after Alabama and where they played them. But, you know, yeah, there's definitely some validity to that. I won't, I won't challenge that at all. I'll challenge what you said. You said, basically these teams are, are, are even. Well, if these teams are even and I got the home team getting points, I'll take them. I feel like um, Ole Miss and the over, I think I would go with LSU. And I actually think I would, I might lean with the under. I'm just looking at it here. Both of these pass defenses are actually pretty good. And the rush defense is maybe not as good, but these two teams feel like they're passing teams this year. So we're going to be complete opposites for our third game. I'm going to go LSU in the under, and Dave's taking Ole Miss in the over. I'm taking the Ole Miss team total over. We are completely disagreeing here. I actually think LSU's D can step up in this one. Well, if you think LSU can go on the road in a tough place to play in the SEC and and get it done, good for you. That will be the squarest winner you've had in your life. (laughs) We will see how that one turns out. Let's look at our fourth game here for the college football slate. It's going to be number 11, Notre Dame, heading to number 17, Duke. Now, looking at this game currently, Notre Dame is favored by five and a half, six. The total sitting there at 52. Dave, what are you thinking for Notre Dame Duke? Yeah, I mean, I didn't I didn't look at this one too long. I mean, I think you have to like an undefeated Duke team at home and at night. But I am aware that the overall talent and depth advantage does belong to Notre Dame. Uh, and But what's been impressive for, for Notre Dame is their defense. So for me, uh, it was easy to go ahead and take Duke for the first quarter uh, and the first half because, I, I mean, I, they're going to come out fired up. And as long as they don't do anything stupid like turn it over, I think they have the early lead. And I'm also going to take the under. I don't, uh, you know, because I I don't think Duke is going to run up a bunch of points, uh, and I don't think Notre Dame can. So I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm just gonna go ahead and 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 pound on Duke in the first quarter, first half, and I'll take the full game under. Yeah, I actually agree with you on that one. I had a lean to Duke for the game, but the one that I actually fell on for a like was Duke in the first half. And reason being is this kind of a, I don't know, I've heard some people say they think this is a good spot for Notre Dame coming off of that loss. Others think it's a bad. I think it's more bad. Uh, That Ohio State defense is actually pretty good this year, and it's pretty physical. It's a crushing loss for the coaching staff for the team. It was a physical game. Duke got to play a cupcake in in Connecticut, and now all eyes on Notre Dame for Duke in a night game 
and game day is going to be there for the first time in the history of Duke football, you got to imagine they come out super excited, you know, full throttle. But I agree with you in the fact that Notre Dame is the better, deeper team. And I think overall they could potentially figure it out. That's why it was a lean for the full game, but Duke in the first half. I think the game day atmosphere is, is going to be uh, have much more impact on Duke and the home team because it's it's all new to them. And, and you know, I don't see that it fires up Notre Dame because, you know, they're in that situation fairly often being such a public team. So that just really cements my thinking to, to Duke early. So there we go. That's the Duke-Notre Dame matchup. And now for probably the best game on the slate, the one that Dave is most excited to actually sit down and watch, we moved to Big Ten country. Michigan State heading to Iowa. Currently looking at this game, Dave, Iowa favored by 12 and a half with a total of 36 and a half. Strap in. It's going to be a lot of no scoring and running the football. Yeah, I mean, I know you got a pretty strong opinion on this game, so I'm not going to steal your thunder. But, you know, I mean, Michigan State isn't isn't bettable at any number for me, not right now. Um, you know, one could argue that Sooner or later, the pendulum swings in this value, but I'm not at that point. I mean, if it were the only game on the board and I was a total degenerate, um, I would still probably take the under. But I'm gonna, I'm gonna pass that game. I mean, you know, you could, I might could look at Michigan State's team total under. Um, you know, I, I don't know what it is, but if they're favored by twelve, the total's thirty six, eighteen six, probably about twelve and a half. I think if I could get a 13, I would maybe take uh, Michigan State's team total under, but I will I will defer. See, I was looking at this game, and I think everyone knows Iowa and unders, Iowa and unders. And I think probably the second thing everyone knows is Brian Ferentz, the son of head coach Kirk Ferentz, has a contract stipulation where if he doesn't average 25 points per game, he gets canned. And they already played Utah State, hit 24. Iowa State, 20. The Western Michigan game, they scored 41, but they ran up the score late and scored touchdowns, including one with like less than 30 seconds left because he knew he was a little behind his number. They get shut out by Penn State. They need a big week for him. And to your point with the Michigan State team total, with how the the total and the, the line is moving, that makes the most sense, but why I think the the Iowa team total over, depending on where you look, 24, 24 and a half, makes a little more sense is because Iowa actually needs the points. I, yeah, I don't I don't disagree with you, although let me stop you there. I mean, I'm, I'm totally in agreement with your, your Iowa theory, but when you said 24, 24 and a half, you know, whatever, there's a big difference between 24 and 24 and a half in my book especially in a low-scoring game. Now, does this change your mind that when you look at Michigan State, since all the Mel Tucker stuff came out, since the interim head coach has been on the sideline, they've been outscored 72-16. to 16. So I think Michigan State team total under is a real thing, but I like the points because I know Iowa needs to score them for their uh, OC to keep his job. And it feels like if they have the opportunity to put a couple of touchdowns in late on a defeated Michigan State squad, they're going to do it. Yeah, I mean, that in itself is enough to give it a, give it a, you know, put some pizza money on it for me, if nothing else. 
So that'll be our college football slate of games. Dave, did you have any other games or maybe market plays that you were looking at for college football this week? That- um, you know, it's a tough card. Uh, one I do like, and it's a little bit contrarian, is the Alabama-Mississippi State over. I'm uh, Mississippi State last week against South Carolina. They were able to move the ball through the air pretty well. And I know South Carolina's defense is not Alabama's defense, but Alabama finally kind of found a running game. I think that'll open up the passing game. I think they completed 81%. I, I think there's an overreaction in the market to, to Alabama right now. And uh, I, I like that one to go over, uh, you know, 46, I think is what I bet it at. Um, there's a bunch of other ones I'm still waiting on that I'm not, you know, I'm not willing to, to, to say anything and have anybody go ahead and put money on it at this point. I mean, I, I kind of lean Arkansas with Texas A&M's quarterback out, but this is a tough week, so I'm, I'm probably going to stop there. So you had a couple that caught my eye. The first one was Vanderbilt. Missouri, you know, they're they're coming off of some unimpressive wins. Their one big impressive win was a old rivalry in the Big 12 with Kansas State. And Kansas State was kind of set up to fail in, in a bad spot, in my opinion. Other than that, they haven't been super impressive. You're sitting there looking at Vandy where it looks like their quarterback play is a little bit better. And there's no reason at all to think that this should be a close game on paper, but yet that line is moving towards Vandy. I looked at Vandy at plus 13. The second one that I had, this one's probably, I like this one probably a little more, South Florida Navy to go under the total of 54 and a half. It's a good run defense for South Florida. They play in the same conference as Navy, so they've seen the triple option. And Navy's had a week and a half off. The last they played was two weeks ago on Thursday. This South Florida offense isn't the greatest, and we've seen that here played out recently as well. So I think the under between those two teams is is another one that caught my eye. Yeah, I like South Florida a little bit. Um, I would be leery of the under only because of what the market's saying. I mean, right now, 85-ish percent of the, the tickets are on the under, and supposedly the money is too, and yet the, the total has crept up a little bit. It's 54 and a half at a lot of the sharper books, even at DraftKings. So I would be I would be leery about that. I mean, your logic makes sense, but that would be one of those games where I'd say, is my work right or is the market right? And you know, fortunately, I don't have to put money on it, but I would be I would be hesitant. But you go ahead and put your money on it, and we'll see what happens. Yes, we will. But let's fast forward here to Sunday. We're going to talk some NFL football matchups. Dave, let's uh, go through the first one. It's going to be the Miami Dolphins traveling to the Buffalo Bills. Currently, depending on where you look, Bills favored by two and a half, three total sitting there at 53 and a half. Uh, Dave, what do you think for our first NFL game? Miami Buffalo. Yeah, I mean, the obvious thing here is is to overreact to the Dolphins hanging 70 on Denver, but was that really an overreaction? You know, maybe not. And I look at the Bills' defense, they, they've only allowed 35 points and fifth in points per play, but they've played the Jets, Las Vegas, and Washington. I got to ding them a little bit and adjust that. I think Miami scores. I'll be looking for an over on Miami's team total. You know, remember that they put up all those points without Waddle. So the Bills put up 75 in the last two weeks, albeit against marginal defenses. But I think this one comes down to whether the Dolphins can stop the Bills, not the other way around. I mean, last year in Miami, they did. They held them to 21, but, you know, the, the the other two games they played, well, they played a wild card game. The Bills scored 32 and 34, uh, and it's a huge total, but I still have to think this one goes over. I mean, if one of these teams gets up two scores in the second half, you know, the game changes. 
but the team with the lead knows they can't really stop scoring. So, you know, it's square, it's polygonic, but there's too many scenarios that this is a high scoring game and not enough that it's not, you know, Waddle should be back. Um, I'll, I'll take Miami team total over as a and B would be the over. Um, I, I have no opinion on the side. Yeah, I was right there with you with the over. It felt too square, so I I wanted to stay away from it. But then I I looked at this, and yeah, they're hanging Buffalo as the favorite minus three, and I feel like there's not as much love for Buffalo as there was coming into week one since that New York Jets loss, but they've handled their business and absolutely dominated basically since. What I actually kind of looked at was – The Miami Dolphins, they've kind of had a pretty rough travel schedule. What, they started the season out in L.A. against the Chargers. Then they had to come back home and go up to New England. Then back to Miami, now back up to Buffalo. That that feels like it's going to take a toll on a team with that many travel miles early. And we haven't seen it happen yet. And even you mentioned without Waddle. But if these guys are continuing to be banged up and kind of been logging a lot of travel, I think it could hit them. And I think playing a physical Bills defense, maybe it hits them later in the game. I like Josh Allen. Obviously, we've seen him bring a lot of teams back in the past when they've gotten down, made it games. I actually looked at the Bills minus one and a half for the second half. Um, Yeah, that's possible. I tend to make my second half bets at halftime, depending on how things are playing out. I I know some people can do that way ahead of time. I, I'm just not one of those people. So I'll, I will take the fifth on that one because I, I don't know. Buffalo could be up, you know, 31 to three at halftime. And then you'd probably want to take Miami second half. So I'm going to wait. I'm going to wait. That is a good point, Dave. I mean, if I don't foresee it, but if Buffalo is up big, yeah, that minus one and a half isn't probably going to be the greatest when they're probably going to have their foot off the gas, at least a little bit. So maybe, so are you saying just in general, your second half bets are all kind of made in game or at halftime? Yes. I mean, too many things can happen. You bet Buffalo second half now and, you know, Josh Allen goes out or even, even it's, you know, the game plays out like everybody expects it to and be, it's a close game and, you know, in the two minute warning and you want to get in a, a good live bet and Miami even has the ball. The last two minutes can change everything, but, you know, say Buffalo has the ball and Josh Allen gets a concussion and he's gone. Well, then your minus one and a half second half doesn't look too happy. I'll make those in-game bets in the late in the second quarter because and I'll be ready to make them because I want to grab a good number when the halftime line comes out because those move just as well as everything else does. Well, let's move to our second NFL game. Baltimore Ravens heading to Cleveland to take on the Browns. Currently, the Browns are favored by two and a half. Total sitting there at 40 and a half, 41. Dave, what do you think for a second NFL game? Yeah, I don't understand this game, to be honest with you. I expected the total would be lower than it is, and I expected Cleveland would be a bigger favorite. I know the Browns haven't faced any solid scoring teams yet, but they are first in points per play defensively, uh, and that that is a deal. Uh, And with the Ravens' injuries, I'm not putting their offense in a good offense category. And the Browns, they haven't allowed a red zone touchdown yet this season. You know, and with that said, the Ravens are actually fourth in red zone defense. So, and they haven't really played anyone. And the Browns offense isn't really anyone. I mean, obviously Chubb's not there. Kareem Hunt was having some issues. So I'm not going to overthink this one. I, I like Cleveland on the money line. That is super square. I'm leery of it because the line is not where I thought it would be, but I'm not going to overthink it. I mean, you know, the only the Browns game against Pittsburgh went over 30 points and 
that involved you know, four Browns turnovers and two by the Steelers, which led to most of those 48 points. And I honestly don't see too many variables that has this one going over. So I will be on the under. Yeah, I'm with you. I might be square too, but the under just feels like the play. I mean, you're sitting here looking at it and you mentioned how Chubb is gone. Deshaun Watson, I think, looks a little bit better, but clearly he's not 2,000. A little bit better, dude. The guy threw a pass when during being a sack like 10 yards backwards. Hey, that and that's better than what he looked last year. But no, he's, I mean, that's just – yeah, it reminds me of Steven Garcia with South Carolina about 10 years ago did something like that. He was in the shotgun first play of the second half. They were beating Alabama. They ended up did winning the game, and – he fumbles, he bobbles the snap, which was a perfectly good snap. He had plenty of time to pick it up and, you know, throw it away. But he picks it up and turns around and throws it out of his end zone for a safety. I mean, that's just dumb. Overall, you Watson know. looks slightly better than he did last year. But I think the big thing is this might be a bit of an overreaction because the Ravens lost to the Colts. And I don't think many people were expecting that. The, the Ravens were, what, roughly a touchdown favorite there. But they do have a ton of guys back. They might get both of their starting safeties back for this game and, and healthier. I don't know. I just I can't believe in the Browns right now and their offense because Pittsburgh's not a great team. Cincinnati hasn't looked that great. Tennessee, whatever, they're scoring points. But I'm with you. I look at the under, and I think because of the overreaction, I would lean with uh, the Ravens. Yeah, I get it. I, I won't argue that. I mean, I'm not sold on Cleveland. I, I'm sold on the under. Now, looking at our third NFL game here, we're going to move our attention to Dallas as we're going to be looking at the New England Patriots as they travel to Dallas. Currently, the Cowboys favored by six and a half with a total of 43 and a half. Dave, what are you thinking for the Patriots-Cowboys game? Yeah, I mean, part of me wishes Dallas had done what everybody thought they would in Arizona so I'd get a few more points with the Patriots. Um, you know, but a touchdown in a game that's looking like it won't be high scoring is actually quite a bit. I mean, I'm 100% in agreement that it stays under. We know what Belichick can do to to an offense. And although I'm leery about some of the injuries in the Patriots secondary, I mean, Christian Gonzalez is one day going to be defensive player of the year. So I think he he does limit CeeDee Lamb. Uh, and I know Dallas will bring a better defensive effort than they did in Arizona, you know, even without Stephon Diggs. So I'm going to keep it simple. The under, and because it's going to be a low-scoring game, New England plus the points. We're close to an agreement here. I liked New England in this game. And the reason being is clearly, I think uh, Dallas, if they can't run the football, Dak is kind of game manager at this point. And Dallas has kind of relied on running the football. Well, New England isn't going to allow them to do that. And I actually think Bill O'Brien has been, uh, you know, a bigger focal point for New England in that offense and Mac Jones improvement. So I do think they have a better improved passing attack. And Travion Diggs, obviously going down with an ACL, is is big for that Dallas defense, one of the best corners in the NFL. I think New England's able to run the football. Dallas hasn't been good at stopping the run this year. So I do think that New England covers the six and a half. And because Dallas has kind of uh, you know been flustered here as of late, and New England's not necessarily a higher-powered team when it comes to offense, I did lean with the first half going under the total of 21 and a half. Yeah, and I'll throw one more out there. How do you not take Zeke as an anytime touchdown scorer against Dallas? I mean, don't you think if they get down in there that uh, that they might feed him and give him that chance? Always a possibility. Just in general, as a as scavenging a touchdown here and there, anyways. Yep, well, I'm gonna do it. I bet. I haven't looked at the number yet. Well, probably it's out there, and I lost value. But I'm just throwing that out there for the listeners. 
Uh, looking at our fourth NFL game here, we have the Cincinnati Bengals traveling to Tennessee to take on the Titans. Currently, depending on where you look, Cincinnati is favored two and a half, three points, total sitting there at 41. Dave, what do you think of the Bengals-Titans game? Yeah, I mean, I think we know a lot more about the Bengals now simply because they've been in the news with the borrow thing probably since July. So I had a look at Tennessee. Their offense is 29th through three games in most important statistical categories. They can't run the ball. I've been saying for a couple of years, Derek Henry's going to hit a wall carrying the ball as often as he does. Um, but the Bengals' defense has actually been vulnerable to the run, and Cincinnati hadn't been able to run. So I guess at the interest of time, I'm not ready to jump on the Bengals bandwagon after one win, but I don't want to overreact. My guess is the Bengals will be the public play, and I, I can't disagree. But what I will throw out there is Joe Burrow attempts over um, his deep balls. He's over 15 yards. He's two for 17 with an interception this year. They say he might not be able to plant so well with that with that ankle thing going on. So I'll, I, I, will, I will throw that out there, and I'll probably take Cincinnati. Cincinnati here. Joe Burrow still didn't look good, even though they beat the Rams. You know, it's a day less of of prep and rest for that bad calf. I actually disagree slightly with you. If I can find a three, I might flirt with Tennessee here because it's one thing you said. I know Henry hasn't looked good and they haven't run the ball well, but if they're going to run the ball well on anybody, it's going to be Cincinnati as they've stunk against the run. So I actually... Looking at this game, Cincinnati has started slow. Joe Burrow felt like he had to turn it on, you know, in the second half against L.A. to to win that game. I think he could play slow again, maybe turn it on just enough to beat the Titans. I would lean with the Titans plus three. And I actually like the first half under 20 and a half points. It feels like could be a boring first half. Yeah, I mean, it's not a game I want to be watching. You're, You're right about that. So now moving to our final game of this NFL slate. We're going to look at the Kansas City Chiefs heading to New York to take on the Jets. Currently, the Chiefs favored by nine and a half. And this total sitting there at, depending on where you look, 41 and a half, 42. Dave, what are you thinking for a final NFL game between the Chiefs and Jets? Well, I mean, the Taylor Swift effect, I guess he's going to be there. I mean, do you not take Travis Kelsey as a touchdown scorer at some point in time? Of course you do. Um, I don't know if I want to lay almost 10 points even against the Jets. I mean, their defense is absolutely legit. 41, 41 and a half, it's not a lot of points. What could I get to there? Could I Could I get to taking the Jets? Probably not. Can I get to laying 10? Probably not. I guess I would have to look at a team total. Since I'm not sold on Kansas City being able to put up a lot, I might look at the Jets team total over because it's certainly over-adjusted based on the fact that they haven't been able to score. But other than that, I want no part of it other than to see a prop on how many over-unders they show Taylor Swift. It'll be a big number. You mentioned how the Jets' defense is still good. Agreed. Uh, You look at the Kansas City Chiefs' offense. Outside of Kelsey, it feels like Patrick Mahomes is really searching for weapons. So I don't necessarily – I'm with you. I don't necessarily think that Kansas City, you know, go out there and put up 30, 40 points like we've seen in the past. There's no reason for Kansas City to bury the New York Jets. They don't need to do that. And the casual play is going to be Kansas City, you know, minus the nine and a half Jets stick they can't score. But Robert Sala has actually seen this Kansas City team, even though the Jets have not played Kansas City the last couple of years. Remember, he actually did pretty well in a first half shutting down Mahomes in that Super Bowl in 2019 against the San Francisco 49ers. So I actually looked at this. 
And uh, if I had to play it, I'd probably go first half under the 21 and a half points because we know the Jets can't score. And uh, I feel like the Chiefs could be limited. Secondary play there. I'd probably go with the Jets team total under 15 and a half. I looked at the Chiefs and their D. They have held every opponent under their season average. Chris Jones is back and uh, the Jets just really stink. The locker room is it feels fractured as well, which is why I'm probably not going to touch the game. So there you go. That'll be our NFL uh, plays for this week. Uh, Dave, we got about a minute left. If you want to sum up some market plays. Uh, I wish I could. Um, you know, a lot of the times when I try to do that, the good numbers are already gone. I think I like the uh, South Carolina or Tennessee. I like the South Carolina team total to go over. That is about the only one that I can throw out that we haven't already talked about, to be honest with you. Well, perfect. So that'll wrap up winner's take. Again, you want to find any of our content, you can find me at Rowdy underscore Razor on Twitter. Find Dave at Dave underscore Essler or his work at pregame.com. Again, just want to thank everybody for listening. Make sure you continue to like, download, and share the podcast with your friends. We'll be back next week, Dave, with another winner's take, and hopefully we stay as hot as we were last week. But until then, let's continue to win some money. The Winner's Take is your podcast for everything gambling at MadCitySportsZone.com, in the Zone app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Listen, rate, subscribe.